And it's going to be worth it all. Amen? It's going to be worth it all. And that's what we anticipate. Luke chapter 18, verse number 14. And this is picking up uh, towards the end of uh, Jesus has been describing what you will probably recall as two men praying. One was a Pharisee and one was a publican or a tax collector. And he had contrasted both of them and the way they approached God. And then this was verse 14 that kind of summed it up, Luke 18 and 14. I tell you, this man, meaning the sinner, the publican, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Would you say amen to the word of the Lord? Amen. You may be seated. Those who make themselves great will be made humble, and all those who make themselves humble will be made great. And I talked to you for a few minutes tonight on uh, this titled lesson, Problems with Pride. Problems with Pride. And this uh, story, this parable uh, that Jesus gave them, it helped them to understand humility is the answer, both when it comes to uh, bringing your request to God and seeking His face in, in prayer, but also in just your service to God, in the way that you honor God and how you live. James writes in chapter 4, verse 10, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up. The Apostle Peter in 1 Peter chapter 5 uh, the second half of that verse picks up saying, Be clothed with humility. Everyone say humility. For God, listen to what he says, For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. And this way of describing it, he says, God is against the proud. He resists the proud. And yet he is for and he is always helping, if you want to look at it that way, the humble. Well, that pretty much sums it up, and that's why we should choose to seek out humility. Now, of course, when you go about that, don't start with, oh, God, thank you for making me humble. There you go. You just ruined it right there. No, Lord, lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake and let my character be right let my spirit be right and in a culture of so much self-promotion and and so much uh, that revolves around uh, you know everyone wanting as many likes as they can get <laughs> uh, that's the world we live in and and into this culture comes this challenge uh, seek out humility humble yourself in the sight of the lord god will resist you if you walk in pride and arrogance, if you walk in haughtiness, but he'll help you if you are humble before him. So necessary to decide to do life God's way. Amen? I want to read for you, and excuse me, I don't want it to sound like a book report, but there are a couple of testimonies or stories that come uh, from a book called 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You. 12 Ways Your Phone is changing you. The author's name is Tony uh, Renke. I believe I'm pronouncing it the right way. And he gives these two 
uh, testimonies. First, a young lady by the name of Esena O'Neill. And it says that at 19, this Australian model accumulated 500,000 Instagram followers. Once poised to make a career from online endorsement deals, in 2015, she called it quits, deleted most of her pictures, and revised the remaining descriptions to unmask the true motives behind the images, mostly sponsored product placements. Why the drastic move? She had come to see that her on life li or online life was hollow, fake, and self-centered. She said over-sexualization, or the author says over-sexualization, perfect food photos, perfect travel vlogs. It is the textbook of how I got famous, she admitted. But she said it was all part of a downward spiral that she came to regret. She said everyone goes through life differently, myself growing up with social comparing so easily available it consumed me. She said I spent ages 12 to 16 wishing I was someone else. Then I spent ages 16 to 19 constantly molding myself, editing and self-promoting the best parts of my life, which turned into a massive career based on numbers and how I looked aesthetically. And she goes on to describe how she revolutionized her approach to life because she found that just looking for others' approval and living for that validation led her to an empty life of, of self-love and, and self-involvement, not finding what she hoped to find in that environment. Another young lady whose name is Jasmine, the author, writes her story, a 20-something woman aspiring to Instagram fame. She spoke out, but only under an alias because she was still too embarrassed to admit what was going on. The identity she projected was costly, and she found herself drowning in credit card debt. She said, I buy a lot of things to maintain my image. I pay for meals and new clothes, and I've never photographed myself in the same outfit twice. Not possible for me, I promise you that. But she said, uh, beautiful dresses nearly once a week, fresh flowers on display. I, I spend money to make my life look a certain way, and I get a rush from looking that way, but my credit cards do not share my enthusiasm. Her credit card debt was mounting. She couldn't pay it off, but she could not stop the compulsive buying. And she said, as I am writing this, I'm eating the meal I bought on my way home, photographed 50 times, posted, and I've already received 231 likes. I plan on telling my parents about this when I get home next weekend so that they can yell at me and force me to stop. I know that's what will happen. I'm paraphrasing. I know exactly how stupid what I'm doing is, but I just need someone to tell me, I guess. I realize those are extremes, but I wanted to just share that for the context of what we are saying runs so opposite the culture. And you may not always catch yourself, but we feed off the affirmation, if we're not careful, of other people. And sometimes with greater interest then we would come before God and say, Lord, I want my life to be pleasing to you. Are you okay? I'm telling you, and my heart is not to condemn anyone. My heart is to say, let's not get caught in this because there are problems with pride. There are issues with pride that will drown your life and drown the call of God and, 
and overtake the purpose that God created you to experience. There is something about man doing what's right in his own eyes. And the reality is this. It always leads to death. Amen. If you become so involved in getting the the affirmation, the approval, the validation of other people in your life, and, and maybe just even that. It's amazing because the way social media works, and of course, this is not just about social media, but using it as an example. Social media is such that you start getting likes from people you don't even know. And the, the thrill of, of someone commenting or noticing or something, someone giving a smiley face or a wow or thinking that something you did was that feeds something in you. And I'm not, uh, I, I don't want to be misunderstood. I'm not telling you that you can't use social media for good and your interaction with your friends can't be positive. But I'm begging you to see the backdrop of what our culture has become. Uh, we are so much more interested in having the validation of people that we seldom feel the same way about what God is wanting to do in our lives. And sometimes you catch yourself being more enthused with some of the things that you can experience and some of these issues that impact people. In fact, that particular book goes into more uh, testimonies of people that realize, and again, not because you can't have a phone and can't be involved in social media, but they began to track how these things were changing their relationship with other people and how these things were impacting uh, the way they were relating to other people, sometimes cutting meetings and activities short because i got to get back to my online world where that's where I really receive affirmation, where I really receive significance and we were created to walk humbly with our God and to be in his presence and to be in community with the body of Christ and to begin to relate to one another in a way that says Lord if anybody's going to be pleased with me today I want it to be you and so we're up against that and and we're dealing with this thing called pride and understanding that God leads us in a direction of meekness and humility and humbling ourselves before him. And one of the final things I'll mention from the book is simply this, uh, the difference between heroes uh, and celebrities. Uh, and the author says what's happened in our culture, if you look back over time, we were always uh, enamored with heroes. And, and heroes uh, were people that over time were just faithful and consistent. And they did things over time that maybe weren't always noticed, uh, but they built a life of integrity and credibility. And before you know it, anybody that looked into that life could say there's somebody that, that I want to be like and, and it wouldn't be wishy-washy or fake or, or just temporary. There would be character there and integrity there and the author makes the point all of that takes time much of it out of the limelight but now we live in a culture where all you want is time in the limelight. Your 15 seconds of fame. You want to be able to get noticed and he says for too long now we are so much more interested in celebrities than we are in heroes. And he said the opposite of what it takes to make a celebrity is what it takes to make a hero. So yeah, you can get liked for this, that, and the other, for something that you do that's so quick and so fleeting and so passing, but you'll never become a hero that way. Yeah, and I, I want to say this. Take time to be godly. 
Take time to pursue holiness. Take time to pursue a relationship with God. Take time to pursue the Holy Ghost, not only just a feeling on Sunday, but transforming our character by walking with the Lord every day. What are you saying? Take time to pursue a lifestyle that says, I may never get noticed by the world, but as long as I wake up every morning knowing that I know Jesus and knowing that He knows me and knowing that I'm following Him, then to God be the glory. That's why I was created. This is the way He has called us to walk. The meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Meekness, humility, the fruit of the Spirit that flows as we walk with God. Not arrogance, not being ego-driven. Certainly in our world, there are so many things said about having a proper self-image. And with all the abuse that goes on, we recognize that some have been battered and totally abused in their life verbally and made to feel insignificant. I understand. And and you can see how the world rallies around anybody with that kind of story. I understand there's real hurt as it goes to that direction. But we must not go to the extreme. We must realize, yes, I should have a healthy self-image, if you want to call it that. But never to the place of displacing the will of God and God's Word and His desire for my life. There are people that reject holiness and they pursue what the world tells them will make them attractive, will make them popular, will make them acceptable, will make them someone that people would follow and and somehow like and somehow enjoy. That's when you got to stop the train and say I'm not journeying in this life so that the world would approve me. I want God's approval on my life. Amen. I need Jesus. Amen. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty nine, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. And then what did he say? I am meek and lowly of heart. So I come tonight in just a simple way. I, I, I don't believe uh, this has to be belabored to a point where you say, Wow, he just got up there and kept going tonight. I just want to simply remind you There is a path, and it's not the one the world is on. It's a path that follows Jesus Christ, that lives with a desire to please God, that sets your affection on things above. Even when he came to Jerusalem, what an amazing miracle. He didn't come in a chariot, but he came on that donkey or even on the colt, and he began to walk, uh, ride into town, and they began to worship him. He came meek. He came lowly. That's our Savior. That's our King. When he began to move towards Calvary, one of the last lessons he gave his disciples, you remember the Last Supper He even served those that would betray him. That runs so opposite our culture. And all of us have within us something that wants to somehow fight for our rights. But that's not the way our Savior is. I I, I know I've teased about customer service situations. And I realize sometimes there's legitimate issues. But, you know, even yet again today, I was on the phone. I kept telling myself, don't, don't do it. Don't go there. Just explain it. And, and it had been going on 
so long, and it had been something related to how they're supposed to do business with us as the church, and they were not handling it right. And I kept reminding myself, don't do it. <laughs> don't, don't try to, 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 to come off here now trying to say, you know we're right, and, and trying to press. Yes, there is a way to stand for what's right. But don't come at people with arrogance. Don't come at people with a sense of pride and a sense of, well, you know what, I'm right, you're wrong, and all of these kind of things. Uh, I'm just saying to you, I hope it sounds like I'm just letting you know I battle the same way you battle at times. Uh, we have got to reject the spirit of this world. We have to reject the spirit of this culture. We cannot let our validation come from getting our way or doing just what appeases us uh, or somehow getting people to say, they like us or they enjoy us because of something we do or something we say. We have to be able to say, my meat comes from doing the will of him that sent me. Amen. We have to get there in our prayer, in our worship, in our service. Let's pursue an attitude that honors God. You don't have to prove to anybody who you are. You have nothing to prove to people. You walk with integrity. You walk with love. You walk with the fruit of the Spirit being evident. But you are not there to prove to anyone anything. You're there to say, God, let me honor you in how I live today. Let me honor you in how I handle my life and the things that are going on in my life. You don't have to prove even to those that are closest to you and, and even people that you would love to get their approval. You don't have to prove anything to them if it would cause you uh, to violate the will uh, and the word of God. That's when you have to say, listen, uh, I want to walk with you. Uh, I want to honor uh, you and bless you and be a friend to you. Uh, but as it comes down to it, I must serve the Lord first. Uh, I must honor the Lord. That, that, that's not going to help your pride. That's not going to cause you to receive affirmation from the world. Uh, but it's the way to live. Uh, amen. It's the way to live. Walk with God in humility. I'm going to just pound away at this just another second or two. And maybe it's not just for you. Maybe it's for someone that listens to this after the fact. But I am begging you, if you have to choose between the approval of someone in your life and the approval of God, you need to choose the approval of God. If you have to somehow diplomatically get out of something that you know is not pleasing to God, find a way in a diplomatic, credible way if possible Live at peace with all people as much as lieth within you. But if you have to take a stand in a loving way, say, I just can't do that because to do that would violate the will of God for my life. I can't go to sleep tonight being with you being happy with me and God not being happy with me. Amen. God is merciful to us. Amen. We can serve the Lord and even serve our generation by honoring Him and how we relate to people and how we relate to life and circumstances. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Philippians 2 says, many of you have heard it and probably can quote portions of it, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation 
and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross this is the mindset of our Savior and this is the mindset that we have as Christians humbling ourselves becoming obedient to God's will he could have called 10,000 angels but he was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb he was dumb before his shearer he opened not his mouth have you ever been somewhere and actually been amazed that someone that could have spoke up and could have made a scene just quietly let it go on they were right they would have been justified but it's so hard to see that anymore in our culture you can't go to the bank the post office the grocery store without overhearing something going on that's antagonistic because we are so convinced that us speaking up just has to happen. Amen. I love the post, and please forgive me if you've done this lately because I don't have any of you in my mind, but the post that says, I don't usually do this, but. Well, okay, we're kind of glad that you don't usually do it. But what makes this so necessary right now? And I understand hurt. And sometimes uh, when the nature of business relationships, maybe there is a, a mode that you've got to let people know, hey, I've done business with that company and it just doesn't go well. I think there's probably a, a means for that and, and a method for that. Uh, so don't misunderstand or, or, or misappropriate what I'm saying. But I, I am begging you. We live in a culture. There's very few of us that, that would not have to think first before we speak because it would be so easy for us to speak up in, very, in a lot of situations. And yet sometimes the right thing to do is say, this is not a moment for me to fight for my rights. This is not a moment for me to convince everybody that I'm smarter than anyone else in the room. This is just a moment for me to honor God in the way I deal with this conflict or the way I deal with this opportunity. Anybody feel that way? Anybody ever come up against that? There's something that can happen in our lives if we would just humble ourselves. He gives grace to the humble. Amen. He'll help us. You can ask God. I can ask God, Lord, let the fruit of the Spirit begin to operate in my life and let meekness come. Let humility come. Let your glory be revealed in the way that I deal with people. Let me just enumerate very quickly some basic problems with pride. Number one, pride is easy, and that's a problem. Because we are geared to have the easy way. We prefer the easy way. Amen? We all, and that's, that's just who we are. We just prefer the easy way. And because pride is easy, we will often default to pride. The sin that so easily besets us might very well be described as pride. Uh, pride will keep me from admitting that I am wrong because that's much easier than the hard work of an apology. Pride will keep me hating other people, thinking I'm better than them because that's much easier than the love and the forgiveness that will take work and that will take compassion and that will take energy and that will take time. Amen? Pride will keep me from asking for help because that is much easier than the work of learning and, and course correction and, and maybe retracing our steps. Most of us men would confess we'd much rather keep going a long way around than to turn around and go back. 
But years ago, I feel like I taught myself, this is wasting a lot of time. I'm going to make a U-turn. But I remember having that feeling, well, I'll just keep driving. It's going to take me three extra hours, but if I go this way, I'll come back around. It'll seem like I was always going the right direction. It takes more work to make a U-turn, to turn around, to retrace your steps. Pride will keep me from honoring God with heartfelt worship and obedience to His Spirit. Why? Because it's so much easier to quench the Spirit. It's so much easier to say, I'm tired. You don't understand. It's so much easier just not to be involved in what God's doing. And and God is calling us to humble ourselves and, and be spent for Him. And I understand we're seasoned saints in this room, but I don't see anything changing between now and the rapture. We need to endure. We need to work until uh, we hear the trumpet sound, and we need to humble ourselves and answer the call of the Spirit. Amen. Pride is easy. That's a problem. Number two, and this is a significant problem with pride, God hates pride. I read it to you at the beginning. He he is against the proud. So if we pursue something God hates, there's no way that can work for us. It's as sure as any other law that God has established, even in nature, the law of gravity. You can say that you don't like it, but good luck trying to go against it. There are natural laws. There are spiritual laws. Stop driving yourself right in the face of something God hates or something God has put up and said, I cannot and will not bless this. It takes humility to say, I know that's what I want to do, but God won't bless it. And so I want to follow God. Number one, pride is easy. Number two, God hates it. But number three, and this is a significant problem, pride goes before destruction. There is no other end for pride than destruction. I understand in our culture, and please, if you have questions about why I make this statement, ask me personally. I'm happy to answer for what I say right now. We just dedicated a whole month to pride as a culture. Cities and municipalities and and the nation wanted to make sure that we were very clear that we were prideful people. And I realize that uh, there's a segment of our culture that has adopted that as a theme. And I am begging you to recognize, however you want to apply the principle of pride, it always leads to destruction. And yet, it's so common in our culture, so common now that municipalities as small as even our own town in comparison to L.A. and Chicago and New York, San Francisco and other major cities, even Reynoldsburg, Ohio, made a concerted effort to make sure that we were very clear on the way we felt about pride. Pride goes before destruction. That's a problem because we can't walk our way, talk our way, meander our way out of the reality of what pride does. These things doth the Lord hate, a proud look. The Lord will destroy the house of the proud, Proverbs 15, 25 says. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. He shall not be unpunished. This is what 
the Word of God has to say about pride. Psalm 101 and 5, Him I will cut off, him that hath a high look and a proud heart, will not I suffer. Pride goeth before destruction, Proverbs 16 and 18, and a haughty spirit before a fall. There are problems with pride. But for humility and for meekness, God promises blessing. He promises guidance. Psalm 25 and 9, the meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. Psalm 147 and 6, the Lord lifteth up the meek. He casteth the wicked down to the ground. He will bless those that are humble. He will bless those that are meek. He has promised to bring salvation to the meek and the humble. Psalm 149 and 4, for the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. The Lord has promised the blessings of riches, honor, and life to those that have humility and meekness and the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 22 and 4, by humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. Isaiah 29 and 19, the meek also shall increase their joy in the Lord. And then finally, Isaiah 57 and 15, for thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I will dwell in the high and holy place with him, everybody say with him, with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. In Jesus' name, let's pursue humility. I, I, I meant it when I said it before. Stand with me. You don't need to walk around, oh, thank God you made me humble. Don't, don't go there. You have to be very careful how you're measuring these qualities in your life. The best way is to just say, Lord, give me a clean heart. Give me the right motives. Help me to relate to others in the manner that honors your purpose. Help me to move through life, even in difficult circumstances and even uh, in great opportunity. Help me to do it in a manner that glorifies you. I'm not asking you to come forward, but I'm asking you to lift your hands. And, and I want you to, to just have a posture of surrender before God and just say, Lord, give me a clean heart. Lord, give me the right attitude. Lord, give me a spirit that honors you and that allows your blessing to flow in my life. Uh, God, I pray and believe you that 